0: Severely damaged as well. Every day I'm reading articles about unemployment claims and recession and evictions, small businesses failing, and exploding national debt, and much, much more. It seems like all that you will see and hear on the news stories are stories of death and destruction and financial implosion due to the COVID-19 virus. And if you're not careful, you can get sucked into this sky is falling kind of a mentality. And, and really allow it to negatively uh, destroy any peace that you have in your heart. And listen, I'm not burying my head in the sand about all of this. I understand that, that there are problems, and I understand that it is not business as usual. There are really challenges that are set before us and will be set before us months and maybe even years ahead. And for the most part, I think one of the biggest things that people are worrying about today are the financial realities of all of this. Because some people who have been laid off are wondering if they're even going to get their jobs back or not. And that combined with already the loss of a month and a half's worth of income makes people have a hard time to see past their immediate fears. And though I know that these fears are real and they're legitimate, as followers of Jesus, we've got to remember God's promises to us. We must be reminded of the many times when when we faced our fears before, and now as we look back on it, we see how that Jesus protected us, and we lived through but one more trying time of life. And I want to start out this morning by reading a scripture to you found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Uh, This is regarding worry, and these are red-letter words which were spoken by Jesus himself. While you are turning to find that scripture, let me put this into context before we read it. The culture in which Jesus is speaking to is nothing like our culture here today. They didn't have cars or health care insurance, no timeshares, no stock market, no politics, meaning you didn't get to vote for who was going to be the king or the czar or the pharaoh or the leader. There were no credit cards, no 501Ks, no phone or power companies, no newspapers, no magazines, no internet, no Amazon.com, if you can believe that. There was no welfare system, no social security, because families took care of one another as best as they could. And though life in those days was much simpler than perhaps today, it could be pretty cruel, and it wasn't easy. And when I say simple, what I mean is their worries and fears were based upon two basic necessities of life. First of all, the food in which they had to eat to sustain them, and secondly, the clothing that they wore in order to protect them from the elements. So as we read this scripture this morning together, where it talks about clothing and food, What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to think about the things that are really worrying you at this moment. Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34 reads this way. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say that to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So what are you worried about this morning? According to surveys taken prior to COVID-19, here are the top 10 worries, counting down from 10 to number one. Number 10, diet. Number nine, job security. Number eight, rent or mortgage payments. Number seven, credit card debt. Number six, low energy levels. Number five, overdrafts and loans. Number four, overall fitness. Number three, a lack of savings account or a financial future. Number two, growing old. And number one, of all things, being overweight. Now, as I read this survey, three interesting observations came to my mind. First of all, all of these worries that are mentioned in this survey mostly fall into two categories, health and finances. Secondly, these are all natural human concerns. And thirdly, these are issues that will be with us as long as we live. So the reality is, folks, you're going to have to die in order to stop being concerned about your money and about your health. As I said earlier, This COVID-19 virus has certainly given people a whole lot more things to worry about. But I want to ask you this morning, have you ever considered how much time you spend worrying on things in general? Probably more than you would think. The same survey asked people how much time they spent worrying, and here's what we found out about the average American. Each week we spend 14.31 hours worrying. That equals 744 hours of worry each year, which turns into 45,243 hours of worry over a lifetime. And that equals 1,885 days in your life spent doing nothing but worrying, which means we spend 5.2 years of our entire lifetime captured by worry. No wonder we have a hard time sleeping. No wonder we are under so much pressure. No wonder we find it hard to concentrate. And for most people, it's not just that we worry about one thing, but we worry about many things. Now, if it were just one thing, we'd be okay. If it were maybe two things, we'd be okay. But when we get three or four or five or six or more put together, our knees start to buckle. And that's when we become strangled by worry. The definition of worry is this, to give way to anxiety or unease, allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. The word itself comes from the old English word rigen, which means to strangle or to seize by the throat. And that's a very powerful image when you think about it, because I think we've all have felt life's pressures at one time or the other, squeezing and strangling us. Let me give you a more simple definition of worry. Worry is excessive concern over the affairs of life. The key word here obviously is excessive. Worry happens when you are so concerned about the problems going on in your life that you can't think of anything else. It's an all-consuming feeling of uncertainty and fear. And guess what? It is disastrous to your Christian walk for two reasons. Number one, because worry displaces God in your life. When you worry, it's as if God does not exist, and and you're living as though you alone have the solutions to your own problems. Secondly, worry distracts you from the things in life that really matter, because as long as you are worrying, you can't do anything else. So how can we tell that the legitimate concerns of life have crossed over into the category of being disastrous to your Christian walk? Let me give you a couple of practical guidelines. When, when the things that you are concerned about are the first things you think of when you get up in the morning and the last things that you think of when you go to bed at night, and in addition, you find yourself thinking about them all the times in between in spare moments, or when you find yourself bringing up your worries and concerns and cares in every human conversation you have, Well, when you look at it in that light, most of us worry a whole lot more than we would like to admit. Author Max Licato wrote this about dealing with worry. I enjoyed it. He said, you might try what one fellow did. He worried so much that he decided to hire someone to do his worrying for him. He found a man who agreed to be his hired worrier for a salary of $200,000 per year. After the man accepted the job, the first question to his boss was this, where are you going to get $200,000 per year? To which the man responded, that's your worry. Now that is one way to deal with it, but I want to present to you God's answer to our worries. And you'll find it tucked away at the end of Peter's first epistle. And this is really our scripture reference for this morning found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I checked out some other Bible translations or paraphrases of this verse, beginning with the Phillips translation, which reads this way, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. The Message Bible says, live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. The Voice Bible reads this way, since God cares for you, let him carry all your burdens and worries. Now notice there are a lot of different words used here to explain the problems of life. Cares, anxieties, worries, and burdens. But no matter what words you choose to use, God presents the same invitation to every single one of us. Take your worries, take your cares, take your burdens, take your anxieties, and he says, give them to me. And I want to take a moment to unpack 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 and see how it is that we as believers in Christ are to follow to God's gracious invitation. First of all, we are to respond with a definitive action. The verse says, cast all your cares on him. That's an action, to cast your cares. And this is a familiar theme throughout the Bible, in different parts and set in different ways. A few examples, Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you, and he will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm 56, verse 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then of course, finally, we have this wonderful promise found in Hebrews thirteen, five: Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, any of those verses would make a good case. But when you combine them together, it builds an even stronger case. God intends that we not be strangled by worry and fear. God has done everything necessary in order for us to trust him. He has said, give me your problems. In this scripture, it says we are to cast our cares upon the Lord. The word cast means to throw off with vigor. It's a picture of a hiker at the end of a long day, unhooking his backpack and literally tossing it down. That's what we are to do with our anxieties. By an act of our will, we are to unload our worries and unload our cares onto the Lord. In other words, we are to release our anxiety. You know, human nature is such that we like to be in control, don't we? And I believe that worry gives us a, a, a false illusion of control. We think, well, as long as I, I'm worrying about whatever it is, you fill in the blank, I, then I can do something about it. <laughs> no, not really. You see, there's a fine line between worry and legitimate concern. I mention this so that you'll understand that Peter is not telling us to blow off the concerns of life. You got to think about things like your job. You've got to think about things like your education and your finances and your children and your health and your friendships and your plans for the future. Every day you make decisions that affect all of those areas of your life. What Peter is saying is make wise plans and decisions in all areas, but don't be strangled with worry about things that are completely out of your control. That's the reason for the, for the command to, to release anxiety and to throw off the full weight of our worries onto the Lord. We are to unload our worries on him. Well, secondly, we are to act with a deliberate release. It says, cast all your cares on him. While I was preparing for this message, I took out a piece of paper, and I began to write down things that were troubling me. I ended up with a list of 13 items, one of which is a sermon that I'm, I'm bringing to you today. And as I studied the list, two thoughts came into my mind. First of all, none of them were world-shaking in their impact. Many of them were just normal, ongoing concerns of life. Nothing fell into the category of bringing peace to the Middle East or finding a cure to cancer or anything like that. Yet the things on my list, and if you were to write one, the things on your list have a cumulative effect that weighs heavily upon our soul. My second thought was, I have no power to solve or to change most of the things on my list, at least not immediately Some of the things will take care of themselves. Other things will involve God's hand and God's timing. Still others are ongoing prayer requests that I present to the Lord almost every day of my life. But after I made my list, I wrote 1 Peter 5, 7 at the bottom of that page to remind me that I don't have to solve my own problems. So I want to encourage you to write your own list down. You don't need to let anybody else see it. That's between you and God, but write down whatever is on your heart. Take a few minutes to write down your cares and your anxieties and your struggles and your your fears and your burdens. And then at the bottom of your list, write 1 Peter 5, 7, rip it up and throw it away. Because I believe the very act of you taking the time to rip it up is part of what it means to cast your cares upon the Lord. Thirdly, We are to give it to God. It says, cast all your cares on him. You see, either God carries your worries or you do. And if you do, if you choose to, you will be divided. You'll be distracted, disturbed, confused, frustrated, and burdened. If he carries the load, you may still have trouble and difficulties, but at least you'll have no consuming anxiety. There will be no dominating fear, no undue concern. There will be no helpless despair. Here's another way to say it. Jesus will carry your backpack as you walk through life towards him. It's not just that your burdens will be carried. It's that he, the Lord of the universe, will carry them for you. He who is before all things, He who is above all things, he who created all things, he who is your savior, he who knows you and he who loves you, he who died for you and he who rose for you and he who continues to intercede for you and he who will one day come again for you. He will personally carry all of your worries. Why should we lug around all that heavy weight when Jesus will do it for us? Why should we cling to our problems when our Lord says, let me carry the load for you? Here's an invitation from our Lord that is both intimate and it is personal. Jesus says, will you allow me to carry your burdens? How in the world can we say no to him? Well, number four, we respond for a wonderful reason, because... He cares for you. I want you to ponder those four simple words for just a moment. He cares for you. The truth in those words bring hope in times of trouble. It helps to know that when Peter wrote this verse, he used two different Greek words. The first word translated cares, worries, and anxieties in the first half is completely different from the word translated cares, in the second half of that verse. The words are not related at all. The word in the second half of that verse means to fix your thoughts upon something. One writer said it means much thought is given to you. It means that Jesus has you on his heart, that Jesus is always thinking about you, In fact, to help you to really get this, let me give you a few modern day examples. It's like a mother who is waiting while her child is undergoing surgery. That child's thoughts are always in her mind and in her heart. Nothing can can intrude or change her focus. Or think of a soldier who is returning home from war. How many times has his family hoped and prayed for his safe return? And now how fervently they are making ready to receive him. Or think about somebody who's come home from a long business trip, how happy their spouse will be to see them and how carefully they prepare everything for their arrival home. Or think of the prodigal son who at long last is returning home from a faraway land. In this story that Jesus told us, there was much thought given to his son by his father. He waited and he watched and he hoped for the day when his son would return at last. Nothing would deter him from those thoughts. And the neighbors probably thought that that man was crazy and said things like, come inside, old man, that boy of yours is never going to come home. But he would not turn aside. He refused to turn aside. His son was on his heart. And at the first sign that he saw of him on the horizon, what did the father do? He literally ran to his son to greet him. Just like these examples, our father has you on his heart. He is always thinking about you. And I'm going to say something that I personally believe is true regarding this whole topic. I think much of our worries and fears boil down to our human concerns of, can God be trusted? Many of us fear he's not the God we think he is and that if we if we are to cast all of our cares upon him somehow he might mess things up. And at the root of it all, when you dig down deep into your heart, when you move past the problems that you're dwelling on, what you'll find is that your deepest problem is a theological problem in nature. Because deep inside you ask, can God be trusted? And until, until you settle that issue in your own heart, worry will rule your life. You fear that if you submit your life to Jesus, that somehow he'll mess up things for you, that he will ask you to do things you don't want to do, and he will send you to places where you don't want to go. He will bring unpleasant people into your life, and he'll force you to be someone who you don't want to be. You secretly fear that he cannot be trusted to take care of you. So you decide to handle your problems all on your own. And then you wonder why you are frustrated. And then you wonder why you are unfulfilled. No wonder we are so bound up with worry and with fear. And you know, when you talk to people, you find out there's a lot of them who say, I don't have any problem casting my burdens and my cares upon the Lord. But then after saying that, they continually pull their burdens back. It's like a fisherman who casts his line out into the water and reels it back in again. And then they continue to talk about it and they continue to plan ways in which to fix it on their own. And then boom, it becomes the primary focus of your life once again. And I believe that many of you can identify with what I just said there, can't you? We've got to do what the old Christian hymn said take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. So when you cast your cares upon the Lord, you leave them there. You don't go back and pick them up again and start carrying them. Please allow me, if you will, to make a, a, a point and to point out to you the, the heart of biblical Christianity lest you've forgotten what it is. God cares about me. And God cares about you. And he proved it by sending his own son to die for me. The issue was settled for all time on the cross of Calvary. And any God who would sacrifice his only son for a person, or as the song says, a wretch like me, well, he's got to care about me. There's no other reason he would do such a thing. When we come to God, you don't have to convince him to hear you. You don't have to chant or shout or or burn incense or ring bells or, or use a priest or offer a sacrifice. You come to him as his child and he gladly receives you and he gladly hears you you don't do anything to make God care for you. You start with the assurance that's rooted in the scriptures and that we've seen all throughout history, the assurance that God indeed cares for you. And on that basis, you can unload your burdens on him. He loves you. He made you. He he came here for you. He died for you. He rose again for you. And he will come again one more time for you. And yet we still carry these burdens and these concerns, and the questions that keep us awake at night go through our mind. We have them all. All of us do. I wrote down 13 of them on a list, and if you wrote a list, you'd have them there as well. And the thing is, our list grows day by day. Please understand something. You will never be free of the cares of this world as long as you live in this world, but you can live without the suffocating worry that that strangles your faith, and that drains your Christian joy. Because to all your fears, the Lord quite simply and quietly says, I am with you always. So fear not. What will tomorrow bring? Fear not. Will things get worse? Fear not. Will I lose my health? Fear not. Will I lose my job? Fear not. Will my loved ones undergo hardship? Fear not. Will my investments collapse? Fear not. Will I run out of money this year? Fear not. Will tragedy strike my family? Fear not. Will my children disappoint me? Fear not. Will others ridicule my faith? Fear not. Will my dreams turn to ashes? Fear not. Will God himself forsake me? No, fear not. In fact, let me present you with three truths that ought to encourage you to, as you think about your worries and your concerns and your cares for your future. First of all, don't worry about tomorrow because God is already there. He is the God who goes before you. Number two, God promises to be with you no matter what happens to you tomorrow and the day after tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. And thirdly, you can live without fear because God has you on his heart. He will not forget you. Indeed, he cannot forget you. You see, we of all people, those who have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb, have every reason to be optimistic as we face tomorrow. We have a great future because we serve a great God. So I want to say to all of you this morning, Lift your chin up high, child of God. Quit staring down into your soup. Pull those shoulders back and put a smile on your face. Take your troubles and your cares and your burdens and wrap them up in a box and hand them over to the Lord. There's nothing to worry about. There is nothing to make you feel afraid, nothing to make you doubt. Because remember, Jesus never fails. So why not trust him and shout? Because come tomorrow morning, you'll be sorry that you worried about it at all. I presented this message today because I know that many people are literally strangled in these times by worry and by fear. Worrying about things that you really have absolutely no control over. And and you dwell on it. And, And you stew on it. And you share your troubles with anybody who will listen. You seek advice from man when who you need to seek advice from and counsel from is God. And let me just say, first you need to cast your cares and your burdens and your fears and your worries onto the Lord. Then you need to take all that time that you were spending dwelling on them and sharing them and trying to manipulate the problem to your liking and give them to God and spend that time being alone with him. Cracking open the good book. The word of God and seeing what he would say to you regarding this particular situation. This is truly a theological issue. Do you trust your Savior or not? If you do trust him the way that you say you do, then you will cast your cares on him and you will sit back and watch what he will do on your behalf. Quit being buried over the concerns and the issues that you have really no control over at all, and let yourself be set free from the burden of worry. And allow me to make one final observation. How many times have you worried about something only to find out that it didn't turn out anywhere near what you feared it would turn out like? You see, our enemy has a way of making things bigger than life, which creates worry That is much greater than it needs to be. Satan will lead you to believe that you are all alone. He will lead you to believe that your your situation is hopeless. He will make you think that there isn't possibly a solution to your problem. And he will make you start to question if God is even present in your life. And guess what? Many well-meaning Christians fall for his typical tactics. But please listen to me and listen to this very, very well. Worry is unbelief that is masked in human emotions, and it is void, absent of any spiritual strength. And that's what Satan wants. He wants a bunch of powerless, beaten down, worried Christians, Christians who will be ineffective at being salt and light to this world and bringing truth into our society. And I am declaring this morning that we can no longer afford to live like God is absent from our circumstances. We can't afford to let worry paralyze us from growing in our faith any longer. We cannot worry over things that we have absolutely no control over and allow that to take precedence over our trust and faith in God, our God who wants the best for us in every circumstance. There are people watching today And you need to be set free from worry and fear because it's preventing you from from growing. In fact, you're taking steps backwards and not forward. That's what worry will do to you if you let it. God is looking for men and women who will stand up and trust him through literally every circumstance of life. People who will not let fear and worry paralyze them from making faith steps Towards a better life in Christ Jesus, because worry simply said puts you in a holding pattern. And it so negatively affects your outlook and your responses to life that you cannot move forward. And you're missing out on God's best for you, and you're missing out on God's best for your family. There are also people watching this morning, and you have a great fear and a worry, and that is being ready for the day when Jesus comes to take us home. Well, can I say that that is a very serious and a very legitimate concern for sure, but it can be taken care of this morning. If you've never turned your life over to Jesus and and received his free gift of salvation, you can do so today. It is so simple. The scriptures tell us to be saved. You must believe and confess. You must believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he came and he walked among us on this earth. And he showed us the love and the heart of our heavenly father. And he loved us and he healed people. And he showed us how to live. You believe that. And then you confess that in prayer. You say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I believe you came to save me. And when you pray a prayer like that to him, and you ask him to forgive you of your sin and to become the Lord of your life, he will, the Bible says, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And you can become a follower of Jesus. And you can start down an entirely new path a new path that not only secures your future, but, but, but a new path that, that allows you to put your trust and your faith and to take your worries and your cares and give them to the Lord. I want to pray for all of you this morning, and I'd like to ask you to bow your heads with me in prayer, if you would. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word and the truth in your word and the promises in your word that pertain and apply to us. God, we are in very interesting times, very precarious times, and fear is the note of the day. And many people are getting sucked into fear and the gloom and the doom and the the sky is falling mentality. And as I said, Lord, we know these are serious issues, but we know that you are greater than our issues. You are greater than our struggles, our cares, our fears, our worries, and our concerns. And so Lord, give us the strength, give us the ability to take those concerns and our cares and to literally cast them onto you and allow you to carry them for us so that we will not be burdened by them anymore, so that it would not make us unproductive in our daily life worrying about things we have no control over. We trust in you, we believe in you, and we know that you have our best interest in mind. Allow us, Father, to really let that sink into our hearts today, to understand that you have proven to us time and time again that you will not only carry our burdens, but you will ultimately work things out. In our favor. And Father, for those listening today who who do not know you, do not have a relationship with you, that certainly should be the greatest fear of anyone's heart. I pray that they would have the courage to reach out to you, ask you to forgive them of their sin, ask you to be the Lord of their life, confess that they believe you are the only way to eternal life and to receive your goodness and your forgiveness and your mercy and a new life today in Christ Jesus. That they would cry out to you in prayer. And Father, that you would save them. And then I pray that you help us as a church to to help to minister to them and to help them grow in their walk and in their faith with you as Lord and Savior. I thank you for everyone who's watching today, many who don't even attend this church, and I ask your blessings upon them. But Father, more than anything, just impress upon our hearts that these things that we allow us, that we allow to weigh us down can easily be removed if we but first would trust in you, and secondly, we would give them to you and refuse to look back and trust that you will handle them in your time and in your way and in a way in which we can handle them because that's the way you always operate. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy that you show to us every day. Let us never forget your goodness and your faithfulness in all of our circumstances. Let us be reminded of the many times when you've brought us through difficulties before, and let us stand upon the assurance that you will bring us through any difficulties once again. And I ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus, the Son of the living God. Amen and amen.